and welcome to the Michael Castle Group podcast series, Front Row. Margaret Throsby is my name and my special guest today joins us from the Australian production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, now playing at Princess Theatre in Melbourne. And with me is Movement Director Stephen Hoggart. Stephen, welcome. Thank you. Is it important that we point out from the beginning that this isn't a musical, this is a play, so you're not a choreographer in the in, in the understood version of the word? Yes. I think it's, it, there's quite a strange thing that happened with the production. As soon as we talked about the, the, this being something that was happening, people assumed it was a musical. So we've almost had to define this, this category that, that was never declared on our part. I think people just assumed that it was a musical because uh, of, uh, of maybe the length of it, I don't know. But um, we've had to kind of be quite strident saying, yes, it's a play. No, it's not a musical. Harry doesn't sing. Don't worry. It's fine. So alongside that, um, yes, choreography. I don't always necessarily think that uh, a musical involves choreography and plays involve movement direction, but for the most part that is true, and certainly in the case of this show. When I saw it, I was thinking this... Is a, this is a new genre, in a sense. It's not straight theatre, it's not right. a musical, but it's not actually in between. The creatives, in this case, have invented a new form, really, a new form of telling stories in a theatre. I think that's true. I think, um, in lots of ways, we, we were all, always and only responding to the script, to start with, um, and Jack... I find Jack Thorne, as a writer, he's incredibly uh, precise. And so when you look at the page, it very rarely goes beyond like three or four sentences. So Jack is great at creating quite quite energised dialogue. So the, the uh, scenes, when you read them, they have real movement to them. They're very f- quick, they're very fluid and they're precise and they have moments of opening out and then being precise again. So I find that we had to just honour that just to start with. So on a practical basis, when the actors are speaking the lines of the show, there's a certain way that it has to work rhythmically. Then beyond that, with the show, there are 75 scenes. So if you then think about that mathematically, there are 74 scene changes. And Jack, to, to his credit, when John and I started working with Jack way back, we always said, just write the show you want to write and we'll figure out how to stage it for you. And he did that with Harry, particularly. So there's scenes where we go from one place to another incredibly quickly. Um, sometimes that it's a split second later, we're in another time and space. Um, and in other sequences, we might have travelled slightly through uh, a period of time. So it's very challenging, but um, it's also very, to me, very obvious what our job is. We just have to um, get the audience there with, mm. as, with economy, um, but also to create a language and a fluidity. Um, and also just to, um, to remind the audience that, you know, at times, we've always said this, that at times theatre does it best. So we always wanted to celebrate theatre. Um, so we didn't want it to be, uh, you know, a, a, a huge show full of CGI or big flying effects. And it was actually about... Uh, actors on stage and at times you don't quite know how that happened and that's how we wanted it. <laughs> at what point were you brought into the picture? I was um, I was in a technical rehearsal for a production on Broadway. I worked on a production of Rocky and it was very cold and it was very dark and I was we were very tired and John rang me, John Tiffany the director rang me and said um, should we do Harry Potter? And I said, is it a stage show? He said, yes. And, I, and he said, I think I want it to be a new story. And I said, well, yeah, uh, yes. Also, oh, before J.K. Rowling even... She was on board. She'd said yes, okay. that it was going to happen. John had been, had, um, been brought on board as the, as the director. And so he started to put his team around him. But you still didn't know what the final form was going to be no. at that point? No. So at that point, there was no sense of it being two parts. Um, that we weren't even really, I, the, I think the first question I said was which book 
because in lots of ways, if we were suddenly part of a team that was making book one, then I don't know how I'd feel about signing up for one stage production where I might have to go through the next nine or the next 25 years of my life and, you know, lose my teeth and my eyesight and all of that, as well as my hair. So it was very, uh, so Charles, I'm, I'm not sure I want it to be anything that exists as a book. And I think I want it to be a brand new story. So I then got incredibly excited by that because that in some ways affords us the right to really present theatre at the forefront of the way in which it's told. And that was really important to us. Just by the way, have you ever worked in film? Um, as, no. as a movie, a movement director no. in film? No, I've worked on, I worked on a How to Train Your Dragon 2. I worked on some of the, and that was uh, the motion capture stuff, which was one of the sweetest jobs of my life because it was just very straightforward. But no, um, I think both, both John and myself, uh, I think we refer to cinema as, as a way of visual storytelling. Because I think visual storytelling is incredibly sophisticated. I think audiences now are incredibly sophisticated to how they look at something in front of them on stage. I also think in the, in the era of Dancing with the Stars and Strictly Come Dancing, that's the UK one, um, I think audiences also are very, are very smart about how choreography works these days, much more than say 10 years ago. So I think if you're going to treat an audience respectfully, then you are going to be intelligent about how movements and visuals are, are created and how they move narrative forward, because an audience, they do understand that language much better now. Yeah. So when you were first brought onto this project, and you, yes. had you worked with John Tiffany before? And, yes. Uh, so we've been working together for quite a while. Um, we, we've known each other since... Uh, we were at school together, so we've, we've known each other for... for, 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 for le well... I'm 25 now, so that's uh. 10 to, uh, No, we've known each other for a long time. Um, but we didn't work together. We were, he went to study classics, and I went to study English literature. So both of us came to theatre from a, quite a kind of a, a left-field approach. And um, he was working at the Traverse Theatre in Scotland, and I, was, I formed a physical theatre company. So we were both doing our own separate things. So were you ever a choreographer per se as a, a, a of dance no um i didn't no not as a, I, I was i'm an english graduate i studied english literature um and then when i when i was at university not knowing what i was going to do with my career i went to see a, a, a production by a physical theater company and it was the i think it was the second piece of professional theater i'd ever seen in my life when i was 20 years old and it was one of those, and it's a cliche, it's a massive cliche, but I sat in front of this production and I knew everything about how it was um, operating. Everything about it made sense what to me. What do you mean? The, the energy of it and the way the narrative was happening and they were using physicality and text and music and images and all of it was like, yes, 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 yes. And I loved every second of it, but I also, I, I understood how it was working. I can't explain it any better than that. I think it's you know, when some, some boys lift up a bonnet of a car and look at the engine and they know exactly how everything's working and I have no sense of that. But I, I saw this production and it, it did knock my, knock my socks off. I couldn't believe theatre was doing something so powerful and I just didn't know it could do that. I wonder if that ability to look at something like that inhibits, not inhibits, but alters your appreciation of a work that you that you don't sit back and just let it all sort of take over you're thinking how did they do that oh yeah I think so yeah I think so I mean we often talk about you know when you go and sit down and piece your piece of theatre and I look up at the rig and I'm going I'm before the show started I'm looking at the lighting rig to see what kind of show they're going to make and I wish I didn't do that sometimes <laughs> you know one of the things and I'm I'm 
treading, we, we are treading a fairly fine line here because we don't want to spoil it for people who are going to sure. see it. I really don't want to because part of the extreme joy that I had in seeing this production was being taken by surprise minute after minute go, oh my goodness, you know. Right, yes. But the, the language that you've developed here, for instance, I'll just mention one Mm-hmm. one thing that repeatedly happens and that is to to change gears there's a flash of a cloak a cloak yes. being whipped around yes. and then we suddenly find ourselves somewhere different yes um how did that come about there are a few things really within i would say um so first of all in the creative team there's myself uh, and my associate neil beckles and we worked with katrina lindsay um, who is the costume designer who I've worked with for, again for quite a m- number of years, um, and we want we just developed the, the the cloaks over months. And we did two years of workshops. Now, what was what was odd was that the the cloaks didn't actually arrive until we were in the theatre in the tech, which was really nerve wracking. But I but because we talked about and worked played with some ideas in the rehearsal room. I, we set and choreographed the show without actually having the cloaks in the room because I knew what they would be able to do because I knew that Katrina had devised certain th- ideas and she wanted a certain look and a feel. So there were many rehearsals where I would, uh, I, you know, I'm a grown man and I'm standing in a rehearsal room and I'm going when all the cloaks are supposed to be swishing because I couldn't, if I, if I make the sound, I know what it's going to look like. Whereas so I, could, but I couldn't see them in the rehearsal room. But in but, fact, what we end up doing is seeing them on stage yes. and we hear... Yes, I know. Yeah, that's my sound effect you're hearing on. Yeah, that's no, but not that, really. that's, but, um, that's yes, it wonderful. was that. It was all, needed, all we needed to do was to hear it. And then also there's um, Jamie Harrison who works, who runs the Illusion Department. We worked really closely together, the costume and uh, movement and Illusion. So we had we had time. You know, um, Sonia and Colin, they helped to develop it for two, not consistently, but we, I think we had four workshops over two years. And in some respects, the workshop you learn stuff and then you don't know stuff and you almost, so you need six months to kind of figure out and not be in the room, then come back together and spend three weeks or two weeks or four weeks, your results get better and the things that were problematic aren't so much and then there's new problems. So you all go away for six months and so it, that's, how they, that's how they spread it out for us and it just worked perfectly, I think, for all the departments to realize that only when we come together as departments do we get the results because you don't know who's going to solve it for you. All this presupposes a cast of actors willing to do what you ask them to do. <laughs> yes. And you put a big demand on your cast. It's a big, big cast. I don't know yes. how many in the it's cast. 35. 35 people. And they're not all on stage at the same time, but no. sometimes there are a lot of people on the, stage. Yes, there are. And they're moving fast. Yes. And they're moving in often using special effects. Yes. So I'm not trying not to spoil it. So... <laughs> How, do, how Can you describe the process of how you figure it out? Do you do it block by block by block or what? Going from the start, we audition very precisely. So the movement audition is very is a separate audition to anything to do with text. And for, for me, that's where you, you start to really figure out whether the company is going to be uh, spending a lot of time going over precise things or whether they're just going to get it. I do have a theory about the Australian cast. I do think uh, as a... As a as a nation, I think you're quite outdoorsy. I think sport is a massive part of your cultural kind of sense of self. So um, I've, I've personally found the Australian company probably the, the easiest to work with because their sense of physicality for me is way up there. And this goes from people aged 18 to people aged like 60s and 70s in the company, it, across the board. So I've actually found this the most, uh, the, um, the simplest to put together physically. There, there's a sense of physicality, there's a sense of bodily self. Um, 
And so over the rehearsal period, there's certain things where we will have to start in week one because it will take them 10 weeks to be able to get it right. And there's other things which, um, there's certain sequences in the show that are the closest we have to like a musical number. And again, you want them in, in week one or two um, to start, because you'll need to finesse them, but as long as they've got a rough sense of it. So you put it on its feet and we call it making a first pass. So there's a section with some ones that some of, some of the students do. Um, we will learn that in week one, and then over the weeks, um, you'll go back to it and refine it and refine it and refine it. But but to be honest, it was it, it was it was it was kind of textbook kind of examples. Here. They'd have to be very fit. They'd have they have to are. be very very sort of yes. The stamina required is incredible. It is to say they're actors, and most people, as an acting job, you'll walk onto a set and you'll sit down and drink something and talk about something, and then two hours later you'll walk off stage and you've taken a bow and you're good. And with this, it's not that it's not that short one. So they do an hour warm up every single day um, in the warm, in the rehearsal and tech and preview period, um, and that hour is about. Uh, some yoga, some some cardio, and some um, choreo. Um, so we are we are very kind of um, we're very clear about that, and it's the entire company. The whole company take the warm up. We don't make it any easier or any harder. It's quite a tricky one, um, but we build up their stamina. It's like having a, a personal trainer every day. Fantastic, yeah. and a great so, way of losing weight. Well, it, it's <laughs> but in, well, it is. Cause the, but there's you know we rehearse for a long time, and the show you know touch wood will run for a long time. And there's just those days like I get them myself where it's like oh really do I have to go to the gym this morning? So that also happens, and we say to everybody there'll be mornings when you won't thank for this we don't care get in here it's 10 o'clock start now so it's one of those things where you end up getting pushed physically um you know people do get really healthy and fit on the show mm. um but but that's but that's what they need to be when costumes are introduced into the story did yeah. you have to did you have to adjust much because some of the costumes are elaborate and heavy i imagine yes are they? yes they really are there's i mean the, the detail in them is incredible um and so you can't really you can never shortcut the amount of time it takes for a, uh, an actor to, to deal with costume. But what I always ask, what I always say to the actors is, you are about to put on one of the most beautiful costumes um, and it will try to defeat you. You have to fight your costume, by which I don't mean start tearing at it, but live outside the costume. So that physicality that I've seen in the rehearsal that I love seeing in you, if, you, uh, if you're gonna let me see it, you need to pump up the actual, the physical volume of your body. So we talk to them about putting on these costumes, but don't let it diminish you, because then you'll stay that way. So you have to almost, um, it's like a lovely battle that you have with your costumes, because mm. you need to have this gorgeous physicality that you've rehearsed for 10 weeks, but you need to let it sit on the outside with the costume. And it's, it's, it's interesting watching them cope with that. You, as movement director, are working within a fairly confined space on a mm -hmm. stage at the, at the Princess Theatre. Um, unlike on film, where you can spread out and have, yes. have 200 kilometers between things so yeah. was that in some in any ways inhibiting i don't think so i think i like i like i like parameters very much and when we were talking about the design for the show um christine jones who i've worked with a number of times now um we were talked about we if we just have elements so it means that you have to be um you know, you have to then be resourceful. So we've we've taken there's three elements: there are cloaks, and there are staircases, and there are suitcases. And those three elements uh, cover pretty much every world that we want to go to. So we've we've made a real choice about that. It's then about creating a kind of versatility with the language of how you transform an ordinary suitcase into a million other things. But that's that's enjoyable to me. That's that's really rewarding to me. Was there anything that you 
asked the engineers to do that they couldn't do. They couldn't actually mm. make the scenery do something that you would have loved them to be. It was not, you know. There was there were certain things that we tried um, that I don't think we have. Any, I don't think I'm going to give anything away. There was a certain section where we wanted to try have somebody lean up against a blackboard and for it to flip them over into the next world, into another like room behind them, um, and we tried. That that was terrible, and I I ended up sliding all over my all over the place for about three days nonstop before I had to admit that that wasn't going to happen. And then I will say that it's it's it was never anything enormous. Um, the the final result for when they enter platform nine and three quarters at the beginning, I, I won't say how that's achieved now in the show, but I will say that there were this footage in the workshops of some awful versions of that which involved people being lifted up and, and cloaks dropping on people's faces and people dropping <laughs> off trolleys. Um, so I, there's some great comedy footage. So that section, I would say, that moment in the show was probably the thing that took the longest because we tried it in the first workshop and we thought we liked it and then we couldn't get it any better. And I think even in the final rehearsals, right, the week before we were going to the theatre, we still hadn't got it. It took ages, and there's, there's millions of examples of us getting it wrong, which now is, well, you know, I can laugh about it now, but at the time I wasn't laughing at all. I can imagine. <laughs> Sleepless nights. Making magic happen on stage is a is risky business, I reckon, is it? Yes. And, and does that put the actors at, at, in danger at any time? Um, I would say there are, there are a few moments in the show where, yes, Yes, there are some moments in the show where the actors, we have drilled them to within an inch of their lives because they are taking full responsibility for other bodies in this, in, in the, on the stage. Um, so, of course, that, in lots of ways, that's why we do want them to be, they have to be, they do have to be physically strong. You have to be strong to be in the show because there's certain things you're going to have to do that if you didn't have upper body strength, you just wouldn't be able to achieve it. You spoke earlier about your introduction to physical theatre. Yes. And in a sense, you could say th there's, there's a lot of elements of physical theatre in this production. Yes, I think so, yeah. Could you do today what you couldn't do... To, I'm talking about the development of technology. Yes. 10 years ago, 15, 20 no. years ago? No. I would say what's also interesting about it is um, it's not just the stuff that the audience sees. Some of that is absolute kind of uh, cutting edge. But there are also things that the audience, that is happening on stage and the audience have no idea how it's happening. And it's those systems as well that are really like state of the art, but they're totally invisible. And I suppose that's what's, when we were teching the show for the first time, and then, and even here actually, when you bring the actor, because they've been in a rehearsal room with, you know, nothing. And then you start to show the actors these things that are totally invisible in the show and they see them happening and just watching their response to be like, wow. Well, in the audience, the same thing's happening. And How yeah, do they do that? Yeah, How yeah. do they do that? It, it's really, it's, it's the child in us, you know, it's that thing, but it's, it, it is, you know, it's the closest thing I, I know to a magical event actually happening in front of people's eyes. Yes. And so, and it's wonderful that being part of the audience, you can suspend disbelief and just sit yeah. there and let it all happen, yeah. you know. It's just extraordinary. But it is huge. I mean, it is a very, very big thing that you've achieved here, I think. If, yes. I mean, it, it feels like everybody has had to completely rewrite their own rule book for this to happen. Mm -hmm. And I say that, for, I, don't, I, I don't just mean us as creatives on the show. Um, we have a crew at The Princess. And what they have to do on every show... I've always said that the best ticket you could ever sell somebody is, is up on the chair, on the wall, on stage left or stage right wing, and just watch that crew 
get that show together and let it and make it happen minute after minute after minute after minute um, because that that's magic I mean the spatially how they how they do it I there's still sequences that I don't like to look in the wings because it, it's it, it would probably give me a palpitation <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm that's chaos for me is there such a thing as a Stephen Hoggart um, language of choreography is there a thumbprint that we can recognize your work um that you're conscious of no I would say what I th when I when I look at why I make choices to do a job, I will often take a job because it's what I don't know how to do, so I haven't done it before, so I need to learn brand new. But then, what has started to happen is there are other choreographers, and they've been t in reviews. They'll say it's very it's very Hoggart like, and so sometimes I'm a bit confused by that because I, I think I've been I think I've made really random choices about <laughs> things, and you know from like in Australia, Blackwatch to Wands to Harry Potter. I don't really draw a line through, uh, through those three shows in terms of what I had to think about physically or what I think those performers looked like. So I, I think there, there's, there's a sense of it, but I, I, I'm genuinely slightly perplexed by that. Final question. Yes. Do the actors get out of breath? I was really curious to know. <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> you know, they do. I, I remember sitting they in the do. ballet once and, oh, and yeah. watching the ballerina with the tight bodice on yes. and when she, you know, she yeah. got a whole lot of very physical stuff and yeah. then paused and yes, you could yeah. see the expansion yeah. of the is this does this happen do they yes. come off stage panting they get some of them are real sweaters so yeah. there's they, there's some get really sweaty um i mean in lots of ways it's um there's a few sections there's a few sections in act one that that get yeah that get the sweats going um and actually, sometimes it's not necessarily about having to necessarily run quickly. It's about having to do something and sustain and, and be precise and be there and there and there. And they are like, they are the mechanics of the show as the performance, as the performers, as the ensemble. So the set doesn't kind of fly in. It's brought. So they are, they are the mechanics of the show. So I think we have to be careful of injuries. There's I physio. There's, there's a massive kind of physio bill on the show. Um, and, and that's upkeep rather than injury. Um, but to be honest, that's what I've, I've always loved the idea of, of performance being uh, physical in the sense that you can see the expense of it. So that at the end when they take a bow, you know, even though by, by the end of our show, I think most of the actors have had quite a gentle kind of last half hour or so, so they don't come on sweating. But I like the fact that it, with the best world in the world, I like the physical world of the show to cost the performers something so they know they performed something. Yeah. So they really feel it as a visceral experience for themselves. The audience has the same experience, visceral experience, I have to say. Oh, well, Thank that's you good. so much for talking to that's us. That's a pleasure.